Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Well, greetings and uh, welcome to Following On County Cricketer, where uh, myself, John Norman, Steve Harmison, uh, the cricketers Nick Friend and George DeBell are getting ready for the Ashes. Uh, this show uh, dropping just uh, in your podcast feed just an hour or so before the start of the first Ashes test. I'm at Edgbaston, uh, not quite a ground synonymous with the score 501, but uh, Brian Lara did score that uh, innings. Was it 29 years ago? Can you believe that? And uh, that brings us quite neatly on to uh, something that happened this week. Um, incredible uh, county championship results up and down the country. There was a, a win for Yorkshire, um, whose uh, upward t- turn continues to move in the right direction. Darren Goff was on the Talk Sport this week. Uh, there were some really close games. And, of course, a historic run chase for Surrey. We, we're going to talk at length about that game which took place at Canterbury. Nick Friend was there all day. Uh, George DeBell, no doubt, uh, watching on from afar as uh, uh, one of his favourite sons, Dominic Sibley, uh, scored about a 1,000. But we're also going to be talking about some of the other big stories affecting the county game. The international allocation. It's not exactly the most, uh, maybe uh, the sexiest of topics, but essentially... Three months out of a 50-over World Cup. We still don't know where any of the games are taking place, but we do know where India are going to be playing in 2031 or something ridiculous. The Aegeus Bowl uh, will be hosting its first Ashes test. We're going to hear from Rod Bransgrove about what that means to him and Hampshire in general. Uh, And we're also going to be talking about Colin Graves, uh, the former Yorkshire chair, uh, the former ECB chair, Um, coming out uh, in a wide-ranging interview with Sky Sports this week, uh, describing some of uh, the events that took place in the dressing room at Yorkshire, possibly, allegedly, uh, when he was at charge. But there is only one place to start, and uh, that is at Canterbury. Nick, friend, you were there all day. Did you watch every single delivery on day four? Could you take your eyes away from Dominic Sibley? Has anybody watched (laughs) Dominic Sibley more intently than you did? Um, on day four, what a run chase that was. Let, let me just ask you a very quick question, then you can tell us a little bit about it. When did you start to believe that Surrey were going to chase it down? Oh, there was one specific ball, actually. There was an outside edge about an hour through the first session that fell just short of first slip. And Surrey still needed, I think, 175. And the Kent players dropped their knees in a manner that, let's just say, was not in keeping with needing 175 to win. But, you know, the pitch had pitch had sort of flattened out so much from the first morning and and Sibley was so immovable and and by then Jamie Smith had already been and gone for a 70 ball 100 and you know Ben folks and, and Sibley were putting on 207 together I think it was in about 60 70 overs I mean there, there was a very as I say a very clear moment the ball fell just short of Ben Compton at first slip and Jack leaning at second slip who was the sand in skipper was just on his haunches as I say as you would be I think if a chance goes between the cord and with 10 needed. But I think they almost saw the writing on the wall. You know, they've got such a deep batting lineup as well. And and sorry, we're only in this position because they batted so badly on the first, when their first go. So yeah, I watched every ball of it. I found it quite oddly, oddly captivating, to be honest. There were bits of, I wouldn't call them bored. I wouldn't call it boredom, but um, no, I would call it boredom. There were, <laughs> bit, there were bits that were objectively quite dull, but, um, <laughs> but I mean, I think there were 42 balls in the 90s. 
it was an awfully long time when my report that I was writing through the 90s sort of hinged on whether he would get these last two runs. But, you know, he broke every manner of record in the process for slowest championship 100 by balls, slowest championship 100 by minutes. He broke his own record for the slowest first-class 100 ever scored in England by minutes. But he also showed the value for of, of batting, you know, knowing that he had five sessions to chase 500 with the likes of Jamie Smith, Ben Folks, Will Jacks around him. And I, to be honest, as like, you know, that sounds churlish to sort of reel off the, the funny records, but actually I just thought it was a really tremendous feat of endurance and fitness and concentration and diligence. And, you know, the first thing he did after reaching his hundred was, was remarked his guard and he just, you know, nothing changed afterwards. There, there, there was no, you know, even with, you know, I think with 15, 20 needed, Kent realised he had an overrate to save. So bold 15 minutes of part-time spin went through Joe Denley and, well, and not not part-time for Yami Kadri, but, the, the, you know, they knew the game had gone. But there was no temptation for Sibley's end to, you know, to spoon one up in the air. He just did his, he just kept on doing his thing. And yeah, I thought it was really admirable. As I say, quite dull at times, but what, 415 balls for 140 to win inside a game chasing, one four, uh, chasing 501 is quite a thing in any language, no matter how flat the deck is. And it was flat. But yeah, as I say, fair play to him. Like, it was it was also quite a good reminder of, you know, there are so many ways of doing things. You know, yes, this is what England do now. Well, yes, what England do now is the opposite. But actually, a few years ago, what he did yesterday was very much the blueprint for what Chris Silver wanted his team to do. So it's not going to get in a McCullum team anytime soon, to, you know, that that innings. But but I thought it was, yeah, really admirable and impressive more than anything else. George, you've written a piece about Dominic Sibley. My, my, one of my standout memories from a, a tour that Talk Sports uh, had commentary rights for was in South Africa when he actually sort of got player of the match in that uh, test, that famous test match at Cape Town. Uh, he scored a century. And I remember seeing him in the lift, in the elevator. Uh, and I said to him, I'll send you the highlights, the commentary highlights from that test century. And he was just on another planet on that day. He looked so content and happy and a couple of glasses in as well. And it just goes to show you've got to enjoy the moments because you, you just never know when they're going to come to an end. And I agree. I don't think we'll see him back in the McCullum, England, but you never know. You never well, know. So, so so I, I, to I, come back, isn't he? I mean that particularly about, sorry, I meant that innings, that innings itself. I, I've, I've said from the start of the McCullum that I actually think Sibley has far more in his game than than yes you know than, than what he did yesterday which was very you know quite extreme but obviously quite extreme i genuinely don't think it is beyond the realm's possibility that dom that dom simply in some form could, could play for england McCullum. so i think he's a much more rounded player than these sort of marathon hundreds but i think what he did yesterday and the day before was just play the situation yeah i i think he's i thought he was really hard done by first time rounds and ended up as this sort of parody figure basically because he was being told to bat long and, and that meant teams had hit the ball outside of stump and that meant he didn't play any shots and suddenly that meant that people take the mick out of him but actually the thing is they can't be harder bloke to get out on the counter circuit like he's he, just, he, he left he left 19 overs worth of balls in that innings and he blocked an awful lot more of them but genuinely there was hardly a full shot I think it was dropped in the 20s there was hardly a full shot he never got bored he never looked like he was going to leave that bubble but yeah so I thought that was more to do with the mindset and knowing that what they had to do in that chase than it was to do with his own limitations, which there obviously are to some degree. But I think he's a much more rounded player than than perhaps the reputation he has. I think I, don't, I think George will probably agree with that. Yeah, there's lots there. One interesting thing: he he, he scored two Test centuries, I think, and both times he scored those. Uh, ben Stokes was player of the match, and I think that's interesting. That's not to say that uh, Ben Stokes shouldn't have been. I, I think he probably should. But it shows that actually sometimes these contrasting styles complement one another. And I thought uh, they combined terribly well in that game at Cape Town and terribly well in the game at Old Trafford, where um, Ben actually played a very patient innings as well. Look, on a, on a real basic level, there was a swinging, uh, sliding doors moment, rather, in the championship, wasn't there? A couple of days into the game, Warwickshire were enforcing the follow-on at Treadbridge and looked as if they were going to win, and it looked like Surrey were going to lose. Instead, Joe Clark, who also played a fantastic innings, mm. uh, helped not get a draw, thr- frustrated Warwickshire, and Surrey pull off this miracle win. I suspect that will be the defining moment of the county championship season, and Don Sibley, who's just gone back to Surrey, has just proved his worth. I mean, he's just played, I suspect, a massive part in winning the county championship. I think England's approach is unsophisticated. I, I-, I think it's... Uh, 
uh, a little bit hubristic and uh, a little bit simplistic, but they keep proving me wrong. And every time they do it, they do it with great style. And, uh, you know, so what the hell do I know? Uh, but I still think that while Red Bull cricket is played, there'll be a place for players like Alistair Cook and Dom Sibley and to some extent, Steve Smith. You know, he's, he, will, he will go through the gears and sometimes he will be in a very low gear for a very long time. And uh, it, it bothers me a little bit that people don't see the uh, entertainment in this. You, the, mm. These, these rearguard idiots can be terribly entertaining. They're, 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 there's Mike Atherton's epic in South Africa. That was entertaining, surely. And, and you can think of a million other examples over the years. I think even uh, if you so, can't be entertained, I find it hard to imagine how people can't be impressed. I'm sure that the England management or, or Ben Stokes, who I will ask about mm. it today, will see the value in it. Will, will they will respect Dom Sibley yeah. and what he does on I th- a basic I he was, level? Like, yeah, I thought he was a popular member of the side as well. It was uh, actually Ben Ben Folks though after after the game did say, and this is you know you never know how much humor is involved in this, but it was sort of his Jack Callis. Remember the Jack Callis four three eight ODI? Folks was sort of laughing as he said it, but actually because Surrey Seamers had bowled so well on the third day. Worrell and Clark, mm. which meant they were in inverted commas only chasing five hundred and one. He did say, like you know, we like we did genuinely think that five hundred one was in our sort of in our wheelhouse to chase. Like you do wonder how the hell you beat a team that go and do that, having been so far behind in a game on on day two. Like the belief that was Dom Sibley's first Surrey Championship hundred since, since he was at school, which he said was a big deal for him actually. So it's obviously he's obviously come back into this winning team. And to make them even stronger, just, um, yeah, I don't know how you beat them, really. They've been beaten once in a year and a half in the job. Uh, yes, I tell you what, though, <clears throat> after day two or three, you know, if you look at, uh, I'd say, four of the wins that Surrey have conjured up this season, those games have been in the balance up until day two or three in nearly every single occasion. And I was starting to feel that if you get, allow yourself to get into that position, you're going to come a cropper at some point, but uh, it wasn't in Canterbury. Um, I just like <laughs> listeners to be aware that before the before this show started, I said, "Is that Surrey game really? Does it really warrant a whole section to itself?" I'm not too sure. I'm a bit biased about such matters, and the decision was no, it won't warrant a whole section. So it wasn't my fault that it did actually go on to <laughs> fill a whole section. And we didn't even talk about Jamie Smith's really his hundred, which Dominic Sibley said was the best he'd seen at the non-strikers mm. end. And of course, folks as well, in the week that he's not playing here at Edgbaston, he weighs in with another one of those, you know, another one of those innings in second innings, fourth innings. And also you need to go and talk to your, uh, whoever it is who puts the pictures up on your, on your website, because uh, I swear it's just because Ben folks is so darn attractive that it was his picture that adorned the page. Um, and uh, rather than Dominic Sibley's, I think. So uh, no, anyway, I don't think you're right. Don't yeah. you? Really? Maybe, well, maybe I'm thinking of uh, George's previous employer, which and I, that's one one thing. And I don't want to dig out quick info, but to have the author of that day four run chase as the ECB fan network, I thought was uh, well, unless that's a very strange sounding child stroke journalist. I thought that was, um, you know, that's uh, that was a little bit disappointing that there wasn't a journalist there. But hey, to be fair, to be fair, that it's free. I mean, do you want your money back? I, I don't know. I, no, you know, no, I, I, not, I, I don't. I shouldn't. I, there's no need for me to defend more, them. But they are providing a free service, which people. Also, what I would also say, is I I, when I set off yesterday I would morning, say I was told by. A, when, well, I, when I set off yesterday morning, I was told by a fellow journalist, a a colleague of yours at Times, Cameron Ponsonby, that I was off miracle chasing. So, <laughs> I think on many other days, people would have. You know, you can see why there were lots of good games yesterday, actually, and lots of very tight finishes, and you could have seen why a day out. You might have gone, you are mad for taking yourself up to Canterbury East tomorrow, um, on that morning. So, as I say, it was nice to be there. I, but I've seen my fair share. How of... many journalists were there with you, Nick? At the, mm-hmm. at the home of, uh, you know, following the champions of well, Division you've got One? Well, we are in Ashes Week. It was on, just... No, no, no. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm not asking you to defend. Uh, well, I think it was re- just me and, 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 so the, that, but that, if and you Fred could, Atkins I think the that... Network. But... Well, there you go. That's... But I don't say that as a boast. Like, Two. that is... That's where I was sent. I'm not just, bagging, that, uh, has always I'm has not. always been the way. Uh, just just mm. to go, go back a little bit, when I was a freelancer, I did a game. I used to choose games. This is a bit of a this is a plug for freelancers or an idea for freelancers. I used to cover games that no one else wanted to cover, and I remember going to where's that uh, Essex Outground? 
Um, I mean, South Southport, South End, South End. Sorry, oh. South End. It's not the best of grounds to be to be fair. And I ended up doing it for Crick Info, The Guardian, and The Times. So you know, I can't remember how go. much money it was, but yeah, but except it was only a hundred words each. They wanted really two hundred words. Money for old rope in those days. And then on the last day, David Masters, I think, took eight for ten. And uh, I think Leicester were bowled out for 30 or something like that. And suddenly my 150 words became 600, 800, 1,000 words for each of them, all with a deadline. And a star and a was not really, Not really. Not really. Suddenly you have to work for it. But there is something to be said for going where other people don't. Exactly. Mm. That, that was a, a bit of advice given to me 20 years ago by Duncan Steer. He said, don't go and do the Ashes. Go and uh, go follow England abroad in a series which... Uh, Aren't so high profile. And actually, you see that a lot these days, don't you? The likes of Cameron Ponsonby, you know, he'll take himself off for the winter and um, come back. He'll be chuffed for his double shout out here, won't he? Um, On on that, he sent me me uh, his first piece. And it was one of the two best first pieces I've ever been sent. Yeah. Uh, and it, we got it published on Crick Info. And the the other one was... He's told me that. The other one was Tim Tim Wigmore. So those two sent me the best unsolicited... Uh, pieces I've ever and they're, 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 well Wigmore's obviously already having a fantastic career and Cameron will as well he's fantastic if you haven't heard of him read his stuff he's very very talented yeah take this out John take this no don't take, don't take it out it's nice to you know <laughs> you, you see you're at the age Nick now where you're, where you're beginning to have people younger coming in and you and you could decide yeah, no, you've got to decide whether you want to be a git <laughs> like some of the people when I first started and John first started. No, no, or, don't worry, um, Cam, Cam is one of our oh, I know, you're Cam's great. very good mates. And... I'd, also, I'd also like to say, I'm not bagging Crick Info, I'm just <laughs> disappointed with the state that we find ourselves in, that the county champions only had Nick Friend following their... Uh, know. Well, well, you know, it know, it, show, it shows you again, it also shows you, <laughs> genuinely... If, so a bear in, if a bear in the woods and all that, it shows you how good the service that the cricketers provided is. And I've just defended Crick Info. It's a free service, and I think they've done a great job for many, many years. Uh, and God bless them for it. But the, the cricketers doing a great yeah. job as well, and they're very, the cricketers are very lucky to have Nick, even though every week he comes on this show and looks ever more like he's in a hostage situation that's stretched <laughs> no, I, on into it. Yeah, ironically, ironically, I, I actually... <laughs> This is a new position because I thought this was slightly brighter, but I can hardly see myself in, in the camera now. <laughs> hey, and it's the sunniest summer I... we've ever had. Oh, no, <laughs> hey, hey, we haven't heard from Harmy much. Well, you're going to have to wait just uh, a minute or so because uh, Scott Taylor, our producer here at Talk Sport and also uh, a Hampshire cricket fan, uh, caught up with uh, the Hampshire chair, uh, Rob Bransgrove, who, as I'm sure you are aware, has done a hell of a lot for cricket in that part of the world and uh, across the country as well over the last, uh, I don't know, two, three decades or so. And the news this week that all that hard work finally paid off. Well, it might have paid off a few years ago when India toured and played at the Aegeus Bowl, but, or the Rose Bowl, possibly as it was called then. But essentially, he's going to get an Ashes test. 2027, uh, when the Aussies are back here, they will be playing at the Aegeus Bowl. And uh, Scott Taylor caught up with Rod uh, to find out what it meant. I've known about this for some time, but of course we've been promised things in the past that, that haven't actually come into being. So um, when I actually saw in the papers today, it actually dawned on me. It's really happening. And we've 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 genuinely got an Ashes Test match to look forward to in 2027. And now suddenly four years seems like a really long time. <laughs> but um, but it's such a breakthrough for us and for everybody at the club. It, it means the absolute world. And uh, I, I just run out of superlatives. I don't know. We're ecstatic. Because the Aegeus Bowl has hosted international cricket in the past before. But for those who may not have been down there, tell us about what makes the Aegeus Bowl such a special venue. Well, the first thing about the Aegeus Bowl is it's the only cricket ground in the country that was specifically made for the purposes of staging international and domestic cricket. So it's it's purpose made so that every seat gets an amazing view. But it's also got a fantastic atmosphere because it's um, it's pretty much circular. Um, it, it, it's like a cauldron of um, of emotion when when the game's on, and um, and so it, it does create a wonderful atmosphere for the players. And and I just think that the people that work there add the final touch. You know, there's so much commitment and 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 love for the place that um, that it comes out in the way that people welcome you to the place and serve you with your drinks and food and what have you. It's just an amazing place to be. A wonderful, wonderful cricket venue. 
And how important is it for the region? Because test cricket is often traditionally played London and, and in the north. So there's not really that access to people in the south of England. So now an Ashes test and a couple of other test matches in that cycle are in the south. That must be important for the region as a whole. Oh, absolutely. Yes. I mean, a lot of people think that um, the south coast is London Beach. And there's an awful lot of land between um, London and the coast. And um, we serve all of that. And a lot of those people that don't particularly want to go to London to see their cricket, they can now come to their local um, stadium and see the very, very finest that the sport has got to offer. So we're very proud of that. It's not only an economic benefit, but I think it's also cultural in the area that we can offer um, international and test match cricket to, to the south of England. And there's five times more international cricket in this cycle than there was the last cycle. So it must be, I know Aegeus is, is, is ending its sponsorship with Hampshire at the end of this summer, but I guess your message must be it's an exciting time now to get involved with, with Hampshire cricket. Yes, it's quite timely really, isn't it? As, um, as one sponsorship agreement comes to an end, we get um, this amazing award of, um, of new international matches. So yes, that will help us and, um, and it will be a very, very good time for people to get involved in the Aegeus Bowl. And at the ground itself, you've got the golf course behind the ground. You've got Beefy's Restaurant in there as well. You've got the hotel. Is there any more plans to develop the ground a little bit further before that 27 Ashes test? Absolutely. Yes, this is just the start. I mean, by 2027, we want the Aegeus Bowl to be, you know, literally the finest cricket stadium in the country. And um, we ha- we do have plans for developing the entire site, not just um, the cricket ground. And um, there's a number of plans in with um, Eastleigh Borough Council at the moment, which will result in extending the, the, the size of the Aegeus Bowl and, the, and improving the entrance um, to the stadium, improving more and better car parks. Uh, so all the time we're looking to make the, the place a better spectator experience. And by 2027, it will be absolutely amazing. I know you're an ambitious group down there at Hampshire, but to be awarded now 35 days of cricket compared to seven in the last cycle, we already see you're sort of starting to break into those top, what we would call top five test grounds. This is just the start for you, I guess. It is. It's the end of one journey and um, and the start of another one. Um, don't know how many more I can take on, actually, at my age. But, um, I, you know, I, I did make certain pledges to the members when I took over at Hampshire, and I feel as though I've fulfilled those now. Um, now we start on a whole new, different um, uh, journey, and it's going to be very ambitious and probably will need some new leadership at some stage. So I'm looking at that as well. And I guess the icing on the cake would be to see a, a local player, a Hampshire player, play in an Ashes Test match. I, I know you've seen the likes of Vincent Dawson play down at the Aegeus Bowl in England Colours, but in an Ashes Test, it must be, add the, as I say, the icing on the cake. Well, it would be. And of course, we've got a very active academy, which is constantly producing good players for us. Um, we've got a number of very young players at the moment who are either coming into the first 11 or representing England at underage levels. Uh, who might be um, putting their hands up in 2027. We've still got Mason Crane, who's, uh, who's going to be a pretty good bowler in four years' time. He's got a, a good chance, I would have thought. So hopefully we'll, we'll, be, we'll be represented on the pitch um, when, we, when they take the, take the, take the field on, in 2027. And just finally, when you arrive at the Aegeus Bowl, you look up, you see the Shane Warne stand. And I know you've spoke very fondly of Shane over your time when during his time at Hampshire and, and since he passed away but how poignant would that be an Ashes test with the Shane Warne stand there yeah I mean I have thought about that actually mm-hmm. and yes it will be quite an emotional moment I mean he, he had such an impact on our club and the people at it um, I think the style of play that we have to this day uh, is down to his legacy he, he brought a whole new injection of passion and will to win and the and the belief in winning that uh, probably Hampshire didn't have before that. Uh, so yes, it'll be a poignant moment, quite emotional, and um, you know I just wish you could be here to see it. One man who is slightly less uh, impressed by the news is our very own Steve Harmison. Harmy, just your thoughts, really. I mean, I'm sure. Or I don't know. We haven't actually spoken about it at length. You may be a little bit ambivalent about uh, the Gius Bowl getting an Ashes Test. I don't know, but of course, Chester Street used to play host to test cricket and uh, doesn't appear to be doing so anytime soon. Your feelings about the announcement and the fact that uh, Headingley seems to have done quite well out of this um, as opposed to your former county. Yeah, I've got, look, I've detached that because it sounds as though I'm, I'm, I've got an issue with, with a GS bowl and Rod. I haven't. I love Rod Bramsgrove. I think, I think what he's done for Hampshire County cricket 
um, and what he's done for the cricket in general has been absolutely fantastic. I've got a lot of time for Rod. He's a very good friend of mine um, and somebody who I think deservedly want, needed rewarding for the hard work, effort, determination and financial backing of his own cash into what is a fantastic cricket club, along with the, this, they're going to have the first time in Ashes. He was going to have the Shane Warne stand, I think, possibly, other than oh, saying that second time, because MCG will have it before that when it comes, when it goes to, to Australia next time. My problem is the Yorkshire bit. And, you know, we, we covered a little bit last week on what the punishment, and, but they still haven't been punished and they're getting international cricket matches. My club got their test match data taken off them. We've got a few one days, we've got a few T20s, but I'm looking across the I'm looking across the line. And I, I I played for Yorkshire, and when I took when you see what Rod Bramsgrove's done for, for for Hampshire, and I've got no doubt Colin Graves did a lot of great things for Yorkshire, build them out a few times. They own 15 million quid. That's how good Colin Graves has been for Yorkshire County Cricket Club. Because if he owe if they owe him that much. He stepped in that many times to help that critical go. And then he does an interview during the week on Sky Sports. And you know, I didn't have a problem with 85, 90% of what he was saying. I fully believe that he helped Yorkshire County Cricket Club. I fully believe he wants Yorkshire to stay in the members bit. But when a man says banter again, I think you have to you have to be realistic to go that not only is if is that area not learning. They're not taking any understanding, not understanding what is being thrown at them. Then why do you give them test match status? Why are you giving them you know, women's international cricket? Because, you know, again, I come back. They still haven't been punished. And I go back off where my club has returned from the brink of being out of business. I had 24 hours, 48 hours of watching an interview and then having the stuff that was thrown at us last week and felt vindicated that Yorkshire still haven't either haven't learned or haven't don't understand or not really wanting to understand that the position they are and the status they are in this country when it comes to cricket, they are so important for English cricket. But how, then, how has that not sort of answered your your I, I listen, I understand where you're coming from, Hami, and uh, it comes from a good place, I know that. And and I, I'm gonna agree with you forever about Durham were harshly treated. They they were. But but you just Acknowledge that Yorkshire is very important and we want Yorkshire to, to flourish and thrive. And to do that, they probably do need to have some major matches so that they can afford, you know, these repayments and actually to flush Colin out of the game. The only way he disappears, and I think he's proved that, I think he's proved that he needs to disappear, is to pay him off. So that that's part of the reason. So I, I I hear where you're coming from. It's a completely reasonable point, but I do think they're in a very difficult position with the allocations. The allocations aren't meritocratic, actually, are they? If if you look at, uh, across them, but they're not. Nor are they meant to be. They're 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 also meant to encourage and preserve uh, cricket around the country. And I, I I don't know that they've got the balance right. I don't. I think in 27 Ashes, there's not a a, a test north of Nottingham. Mm. Is that right? That 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 doesn't that's feel comfortable to me. Well, that's wrong as well. But then they go back in thirty-one. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, they do. It seems as though it's got the same, it's, it's a similar status to the last Ashes that was here, and then this Ashes, and then this. It's the same five venues that go in in twenty thirty-one. No, it's not. It's not. It's not to be fair. I mean, I, I think, probably I went. Think, sorry, I probably went a long I way around. Edgbaston misses out in in thirty one, for example, and Old Trafford misses out in twenty seven. And they're big grounds. They're good grounds. So, you know, as I say, it's almost an impossible thing to keep everyone happy, and they and they clearly won't. I think the points you make about Durham are all completely reasonable. But let's remember who made that Durham decision. It was Colin Graves. It was Colin Graves. And, you know, you know, I have written uh, a piece, I've written to the Cricket Discipline Commission and the ECB asking them to intervene and investigate that. I think it was an absolute travesty, that decision. I still think that. But two wrongs don't make a right. And we don't want to crush our clubs. We want to encourage them and um, help them have a great future. And what's been lovely in the last few weeks, and I think I said on this podcast a week or two weeks ago, that Yorkshire, for the first time in a long time, can look to the future with a wee bit of confidence. And I think they've won six in a row at the time of talking. And that's brilliant. 
you know, that's what we want to see. It's, um, I don't know, I don't want to be patronising, sort of talk of them as the prodigal child. But if your children are, Harmy, you know this better than any of us, it's not about the stick, is it? It's about the carrot. Uh, And we want Yorkshire to be better and more inclusive. And to do that, we need to give them international cricket. But I do hear you. And I think we'll probably have this conversation again when the uh, uh, Cricket Discipline Commission hands out their penalties, because I think they're going to be they're going to be terribly minor, really. Well, on the topic of Yorkshire, why don't we talk about their game this week? Because, uh, again, you just got that feeling it was one of those matches that at the start of the season or when they're in the middle of that losing run, they would have lost it, wouldn't it? They would have just buckled mm. or choked right at the end. And I think, uh, Nick, you could probably tell me, but I think going into day four, they, they needed 67 or something. They had four wickets in hand. And I just was looking at it thinking. Well, they, they, did, a, they did a couple of things that teams that are losing games do. And obviously, obviously they've had a very good run the blast. But I think, I think Dan Milan had two night watches the night before, both got out and then Milan came in and paddle swept the first ball with eight to short leg. And, you know, that that little passage, as you say, earlier this season, certainly last season, Yorkshire would probably have lost. But the irony, I mean, and Dubs probably won't, will probably view it as a cruel irony, is that Sharma Masood, who had such a good year with them last year, had come back and basically did exactly what Yorkshire signings do and sort of guide this, you know, fairly youngish side. Yeah, it's a really valuable win. And also a win that without a championship win, championship win in 17, 17, 17 games, if they'd lost a game, having been 250 ahead on first innings, you start wondering if you're ever going to win again, don't you? Like, we so talk about sliding of... door moments earlier, or, or George was talking about sliding door moments, or maybe you were talking about sliding door moments. Hell, we can all talk about sliding door moments. But did I see on social media that Shah Massoud was no. given out by the umpire? No, no. Oh, you, was that, was you that, saw not, that, that didn't happen? You saw that Mark Watt appealed for LBW. And yeah. I believe it was, was it Chris Watts? Is that the umpire's name? I believe. Yeah. I, the umpire, I think that was him, pointed at Mark Watt to get off the pitch, but did so with his index finger towards the batter, which is, which is only ever going to... And also from the... Because it, it was a bat... Because it's... Well, yeah, obviously, because it's single camera from the back at Chesterfield, I think it was, wasn't it? That you've only got... You only see sort of... Yeah, the umpire from the back do what looks like giving him out. It would have been a truly dreadful decision. You could see three stumps and more. But but I, in his defence, I don't think he did give him out. I think he was telling Mark Watt to get off the middle of the pitch. What what does Shah Massoud and Dom Sibley have in common? Two guys who've done great this week. I think they're both working with Toby Radford, freelance batting coach, mm. who on the quiet is having an incredible season. Just just it's just one to look out for. He he's doing really really good work with quite a lot of different players. The thing that they enjoyed about the win when they eventually got over the line, you talk about from a a winning position losing and a losing position winning. At one point, I think Derbyshire was something like match 128 for 14, bowled out for 111, 17 for four, 250 runs behind, and a few Yorkshire going right. That's that's it. We've we've broke the back of our jinx in Championship cricket, and then all of a sudden, Ali and Deploy got a 300 odd run partnership, and even you know Guest and Thompson come in and to lower order runs, and that 215. From being that 215 fourth innings, we've got to get to get over the line. If you're in that Yorkshire dressing room, you know the nerves that have been going around there were being ridiculous. So you know, fair play to Sean Masood, and then yeah, you know, lost a lot of wickets in in the clumps in that middle middle passage, and then Don Best come in and sort of steadied the ship. And and how valuable is that 41 not out? Because if Don Best doesn't get any runs there, Yorkshire might not get over the line. Sean Massoud runs out of partners and all of a sudden Yorkshire's woes carry on in the championship. So mm. a great win for to get over the line for Yorkshire. Well done, Gothy. Um, okay, plenty more to talk about here on Following On County Cricketer. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. 
LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This is TalkSport 2. This is following on County Cricketer uh, in conjunction with the Cricketer, George DeBell, Nick Friend, as well as myself, John Norman, and Steve Harmison. Still plenty more to come on the show. Where do we start, Nick? Uh, we've spoken at length about Sari. Um, I thought the best game of the round was at Worc- Sussex. Yeah, Sussex-Worcestershire. Go on. How close did Worcestershire get? How close did Sussex get? What a match that was. Well, Sussex got within two wickets. Well, obviously, Sussex within two wickets, and that's what I'm starting with. That's the easier maths. <laughs> they needed, Worcestershire needed eight off the last over, and which I watched on a stream at Canterbury's train station. Um, you love it, mate. You I, love it. I need to get a life, really. This I is, believe there was, was the... a wicket, leg by, run. And they got within, I think they got within five or six, didn't they? And it was... Oh, just you know, a brilliant last day because actually the only way the only way you can force result is if is if Sussex declared with about a four hundred run lead, which is which basically they did when Tom Olson got to hundred, and then the only way they could really win on what was a pretty flat deck was doing four scores between three fifty and four four fifty really was if Worcester came out and had a go and and that's what they did and they were what three eighty and seventy nine overs I think it was and just a really good game of cricket I mean it almost I guess Worcester will think they should have won. What there was six down with 15, 20 to get, I think, with Azar Ali still in. Then lost Azar and then lost Isama, who, who, yeah, whose job had basically come and swing a couple away. And then, but even Adam Finch came in at 10, he won Worcester last game with three sixes in a row early this season. So, um, and Joe Leach, it's a really long ball. I mean, but they had Nathan McAndrew, who equally has done a lot of very good work in Big Bash. And, you know, very occasionally those two worlds collide, don't they? You ended up with a situation where you've got this. This guy bowls the death in the big bash and is the T20 overseas player here as well. And is bowling to, to nine men on the rope with, with one ball left in the game and six to win. So, um, in fact, that's what, that's what it was. It was five to, five to win, I think. So, no, just a great finish to what was a really good game. If you look at the, you say, you know, sort I've of got, pre, pre, pre I've got a question for you. How come Nathan McAndrew was the sixth bowler to be called upon in that second innings? Was he injured? You're asking about who watched the last over on the live stream. <laughs> uh, no, I, um, I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, by just just looking at the cards, you know, you've got 27 overs of spin in the middle of there, and you've got Henry Shipley, the, the overseas player from New Zealand, open the bowling with Ari Carvalho. So I think with Sussex picking the bowlers, and to be fair, I mean, it hasn't played probably as much as he should have done. I mean, he's been the pick of the bowlers most time I've seen him play for Sussex. He's the only Greece international on the circuit, but we can all. We can all dream. He's quality. I don't know. I don't know if there's any wider reason that, but he came back about 19 over. So whatever it was, he, he obviously got through it all right. But yeah, in seriously good game of cricket. And I mean, Sussex have a lot of those at home because the, the wicket, I mean, the wicket is always very good and they've got a very good batting lineup. And the problem they've had in the last couple of years is not taking wickets. So it sort of lends itself to quite high scoring affairs. Let's move on to that. Shall we talk about the Warwickshire game briefly? I'm not sure how much you were across it, George. But um, yeah, you yeah, know, they, they do have keeping an eye on it. Yeah, they do have a game in hand over Surrey, of course. They they you know, do, uh, and, but they're thirty two points behind, and uh, and they were kept in the field for what one hundred fifty overs or something. But it looks as if, uh, and I think they did drop Joe Clark at one stage. But you know, Joe Clark is is a player that I don't know how long he's been on the scene now, but the best part of a decade, and he and he hasn't really. Uh, lived up to expectations. A, a couple of years ago, he was having an incredible run in T20 cricket. His first, uh, and, first hundred was years, on, wasn't it? Yeah, I was really knocking on the door, but um, yeah, so he, 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 he did the oath of these runs. He was on standby for one tour. Yeah, he was. He was on standby he, he, for the West he, Indies he, series last 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 March. 
but then, yeah, and, and obviously there, there are um, complications about his selection anyway, but he was nowhere near selection again since then because he hasn't scored any no. runs. Yeah. Um, Did he have a horror 100? Well, he was at well, I mean, Welsh Fire had a horror 100, didn't they? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so but, they all did. Although, really, actually, apart from Ben Duckett. He still scored quite quickly. You know, he still, that was 230 off 360 balls. Like he, Peter Moore spoke afterwards about how he tweaked his technique, like tweaked his game, a few things yeah. in, his, in his technique, if he, I think he said a few days ago or a few games ago. But I mean, that's look, that not side is very competitive to get into. And I don't think it'd be unfair to, I mean, you look at someone like Matt Montgomery who's come in and had a really good season. I don't think it'd be unfair to say that there are too many guys around that squad who would have been knocking on the door for, for Clark to go that much longer without without scoring decent runs. Right. So he's, you know, well, he's not had a particularly good, let's say, not had a good year at all until, no, no. Um, until the last few days. And yeah, they're just a very competitive squad with a very well, very competitive club with a very big squad, aren't they? So you do eventually have to come, come good. The blast probably came at quite a good time for him. You know, uh, very, and, and to some extent, I'd say the same player. about uh, Tom Moore's because you know he, uh, oh, absolutely. His, I mean, his averages dropped below twenty-five, and uh, he obviously could hit a hit the ball very hard and stuff. But he he played an out of character, very patient innings. It sounds like the pitch died a wee bit, but that's a good Warwickshire attack. And um, yeah, uh, they they would have. I mean, I think they would have been top if they had won and Surrey had lost. So as I say, it, it's probably. One of those sliding doors moments in the season. But yeah, uh, uh, Joe Clark, a reminder that he is, you know, Kevin Sharp, who, who um, was his coach at Worcester, uh, always said he reminded him very much of Joe Root. And that that, even without very the, high praise. Even without very, the hundreds. Very talented. Very even, talented. Even without the hundred, he's going to be, I think he was, I think he was not third lean, third lean run score going into that game. Like he's not had, you know, it's not been a disaster. He's got three scores of 50 plus. He's, He's faced by far away the most balls in the not squad. Like, but as you say, for somebody who's been seemingly on the edge of the England radar for quite a long time, and I think as well, I think I'm right saying that until last season, one sort of badge of honour was that he scored at, I think he had a first class hundred in every season, and he obviously lost that last year, and yeah, started this summer not great, but yeah, that used. I, I think England's gone for him. Off back. To be honest, I do think England's gone for him, just just because he hasn't been consistent enough, and there are younger people. The, the guy that we should talk about again, by the way, we have to mention, is mm, Sam Hayne. Sam Hayne. It's no, just ridiculous. No, 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 Sam, Sam Hayne. So, 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 so I, I've always been saying that Sam Hayne's going to make his debut in um, uh, the Caribbean in December for England. But actually, I, and I think it was Vish who pointed that, this out to be Vish and Cricketer. Actually, who on earth's going to play for England in the Ireland ODIs uh, in September? Because I think the England squad have left for the World Cup. If that if that is right, if, if the England side has left for the World Cup and these ODIs, which are meant to be World Cup preparation, have to be played <laughs> by a side that's not there, that's a bit of scheduling, isn't it? Get the um, get the COVID emergency back together. <laughs> I mean, get the band sell band tickets, band together. Can you sell tickets for that? Well, they in will because they already fairness, have. They're probably already sold this, out. Well, well, you, well, you say this to England. Uh, we are mm. three months out, four months out from the 50th the World Cup, and the figures. The figures aren't even the uh, they're not even out there. And have spare a thought for Adam Outford at TMS, by the way, because I know firsthand as how difficult it is to put together these tours. To have to put together a two-month tour across India, featuring the best part of fifteen gr- cricket grounds, probably uh, all those flights, hotels, people you've got to move around. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. It's, it's almost like the BCCI couldn't give a toss about oh. spectators. Uh, it's almost like they don't respect them at all. But they don't need hey. to, do they? Because those grounds will sell out. Every one of them will Can be I just... full and it will be what, what I would say about the Ireland series, though, is I, I, I know from speaking to, speaking to some of those who, whose job it is to, to sell those games, that is that is not the easiest sell in the world anyway. And that's not necessarily because it's Ireland. It's because it's, it's mid-September. It is going to be mid-September and day-night ODIs, it's going to be cold and everyone's going to have watched an awful lot of cricket well, by then. And then, so I, if you I are then... You what, guys. Well, I hope they're not using you as the slogan. Let's wrap it up because we've got to get to the next section. But there's that Ireland series. There's also a series in the West Indies in December, straight off the back of the 50-over World Cup, which I would suggest is going to feature... Very few England players. That's the one that you think that Sam Haynes going to make his uh, his debut for England again. You know that's not an that's not a cheap place to tour. It's a place that you've got to fly around. And yeah, of course, we all think to ourselves, "Oh, that would be fine because you know people want to go there." But 
this is a world where we're, we're heading towards. He's, it's all well and good touring around and having 15 different series across the world if you're an England touring team. But the broadcasters at some point are going to say, we're just not interested. Uh, Sam Hain in the blast, 83 not out, 65 not out, 48 not out, 97 not out, 79 not out. He was out on three occasions. He must have some average. I'm going to find out what it is in the blast. Either way, we don't talk about Sam Hain. No one talks about Sam Hain when it talks when it comes to England. Yeah, but if this was a championship uh, hundred. Like, oh, I know, but we don't talk about it because for some reason Sam Hain doesn't get talked about. What's in the cricketer magazine this uh, this month, guys? This is a point I ask you, and you never seem to know. I, I can tell, I can tell oh, you. I've got, I've got, I've got it in front I of remember. me. Well, there are no, eight more. Like, get out of it. There are eight more pages than usual for a start. With it being the Ashes, wow. There is also what's a page? What's a page, Dad? That's a question I'm going to be asked in about by ten Andrew, years. By words, by Andrew words, a text and some pictures. Go on, tell us more. Sell it. Sell it. Um, Come on. I'm I'm already George's, subscriber. Uh, yeah, well, there, there's uh, there are pieces on Graham Gooch, Jonathan Trott, uh, Sophie Eccleston, Rory Kinnear, Peter Simmel, Roy David Kinnear. Gower, Simon Barnes, uh, Vit Marks, Ooh. you know, the best writers. Uh, nice piece on Alice Capsey. I'm just opening here. Massive Ashes preview. That's by Melissa Story, by the way, as well. He's, he'll hear a lot of this summer. Oh, Melissa Story. If you could, she in, is fantastic. If you, if you could, She's if an you could excellent commentator. If you could buy shares in young journalists, if you could buy shares in young journalists, it'd be her and Cameron Ponsonby. Absolutely. It's absolutely mention. And if you could sell shares, if you could sell shares in journalists, Norma, hey, let's not tell. Washed up has been. <laughs> but there's a very good, <laughs> as ever, county section um, we, 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 in huge detail. The letters page is always good. Uh, genuinely, because uh, an old-fashioned way of oh, I think is this the one with a bit on Philip Brown and his career oh. as a photographer, oh, which no, I think well, I did. You, you were doing really well until you mentioned that. No, it's I it's it's, it's, a lovely, it's, a lovely, it's a lovely photographer series actually, and it looks really. Good. I can it, see it's really good. Um, I can see him. But as you George, am I right in saying him? to get John back? I think I'm right in saying there's also a there's also a feature <laughs> with Steve Alworthy at Surrey, is there? There oh. is, which is very good. And there there uh, really is something for everyone. For everyone. I can see Philip Brown right now as you speak. I wrote a very long piece about the impact of Meg Lanning on Australia, uh, well, uh, how she would lead Australia to victory, and then I filed it. And about twenty, <laughs> I reckon about twenty-four minutes later, she was ruled out of the tour, <laughs> and I had to delete it all and start again. So there's a nice. Bit. There's, there's a piece on the impact of Meg Lanning's absence in there now. <laughs> My part I, I think in her I downfall. Said, I think I said last week that the equity report would be out by now. I think I said it would be out on the 12th or 13th. So it's been delayed. I think it might be out on the 20th or 21st. And um, I think it's going to be pretty devastating. I think it's going to say that the ECB is not fit for purpose. That's I think it's so going to really say sad. that it's very hard for the ECB to be um, the promoter and the regulator and that it's failed on that. Does that mean government inter- intervention? Yeah. Talking about government intervention, Rishi Sunak, he might be at Lords for the second test. Did you but hear absolutely that? Absolutely amazing, isn't it, that Rishi Sunak got involved in saying Moeen Ali should probably come and play for England. But as a Yorkshire MP, he's never got involved in the Yorkshire situation. Never wore a word maybe, on it. Interesting, eh? Maybe. Maybe they'll ask him. He, I think he's a guest of TMS. Thecricketer.com forward slash talk sport for 20% off a 12-issue sub. So there you go. Where should we finish, guys? Just got well. a couple of minutes. Did any of our players on, watch? I know what, what, what I was going to say. Oh yeah, player watch. Well, my what? My player watch. I mean, last year I picked a player who I don't think he played a single. He might play, no, I don't think he played. And then he was let go by Derbyshire. And this <laughs> that's, is Jamie. That's amazing. <laughs> well, that's... this year Jamie Smith is tearing it he's up. Got, he's got another year. So, so you're gonna you're gonna show off that you chose Jamie Smith as your player to watch because no. I chose no. Josh Tung. So I'll see your Jamie Smith yeah, and I'll raise it a five yeah. on Test debut at Lords. Yep, yep. You, you win, you win. Uh, what about you? Uh, well, Harmy who picked Matthew Potts, who I was no, watching he picked yesterday. Ollie Robinson. He picked Ollie Robinson as well. He's just I picked Matty Potts last year, but Brian Cars who's yeah, in well. now, but picked Ollie Robinson who got a hundred of another hundred. He's so oh. good. I'm telling you, he's catches, so, so I good. I, I, he's, he's a smashing talent, I think, in all formats. I think he mm. could knock on he could knock on an England door. He's going to make his debut with Sam Hain. Sam yeah, Hain. He, yeah. he actually is, isn't he? He's going to be that same No, because no, no, the, the, the problem that a lot of them now have um, is that Jamie Smith 
is is just Jamie Smith, quite frankly. Like I genuinely, you know, this 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 might be nonsense, but that it's not conceivable that England's next sorry wicketkeeper is is not Ben Folks, but is but it's Jamie Smith. I mean, he's also certainly the next guy that England turned to if they if there's a gap in that batting order. As as John said earlier in the yeah. show, like the way that the guy, the way that the Surrey players spoke about that innings on day three, simply called it the best innings he'd seen from the, the non-strikes. And Jordan Clark said it was the best innings he'd seen live. 70 ball 100, the chase of 500. When you've lost your captain the second ball innings, he's scary good. And he's obviously got a Lions 100 off 70 balls as well. And he keeps wicket if they want him to do that. He's got plenty going for him. They could all play in this yeah. series. Look, the <laughs> Ireland ODIs and the um, mm. Caribbean ODIs and T20s, that there are going to be opportunities. And I bet you all three of those guys. Well, my, my players to watch, Ali Orr is injured and Tom Price came back from injury. So, you know, that's positive. What, what a way to finish the show. <laughs> it's been a great show. I've loved this show. George, you better get to Edgbaston. I really had. But, but Stoke, I'm watching Stokes bowl at the moment. So you've got, you've got a bit of time. Mm. Um, I've got to get a taxi. Okay, great. See mm. you in a minute. Cheers, everybody. Uh, thanks for listening to the show. Thanks, George. Thanks, Nick. Thanks, Harmy. Um, please join myself and Harmy following every single day's play of the Ashes. We will be on Talk Sport between 7 o'clock and 8 o'clock in the evening. So about half an hour after play finishes. Join us there. If not, the show will be available on the following on podcast feed, which is maybe where you're listening now. Or it'll be played out the next day on TalkSport 2, which is where you also may be listening now. Either way, thanks for joining us on Following On Counter Cricketer. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 